Holy God. Holy God. Holy God. And in that name that's above everything. You are great and you are mighty. We bless you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Oh, come on now. He is mighty. He is holy. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We praise your name, Jesus. We're reaching for you, oh, Lord, feeling after your mighty presence. Thank you, dear God. Thank you, dear King. Thank you, Jesus. And everybody said praise the Lord. All right, if you have a Bible tonight. beautiful night to be in service, feel the good, good presence of Almighty God, amen. Turning to the book of Philippians, Two verses for you in chapter 1 of the book of Philippians. Paul writing to the congregation at Philippi. And he said these words in verse 12. But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Then, if you will, verse 25, and having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right. Just want to work for a little while tonight on the joy of our faith. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. I found that these two words in the same chapter are the only place they're used in the Scripture. There are some derivatives, but the actual word furtherance, the furtherance of the gospel, written by the man that we know to be the Apostle Paul, formerly known as Saul of Tarshish. And he came up, and he was trained in a religion. He called it that a religion, and that uh, he was very zealous. And he went after it, shall we say, tooth and tongue. And to the point so much that he began to persecute the people of this way. Okay? Jesus did say that he was the way. And so the people of this way. And how that he persecuted them, even unto death. And the time came when the Lord dealt with him. And I'm sure that there were, as evidenced by one man's response to the Spirit when the Holy Ghost told him to go and pray for this Saul of Tarsha. And uh, he said, oh, Lord. He said, I don't want to go anywhere near that guy. He said, that guy's throwing people in prison. He's having people stoned. He said, this man is bringing much hurt. Uh, maybe you want to send somebody else that's a little bigger than me or... Maybe 
you know, I'm just not hearing you right today. But the Lord impressed upon this individual preacher to go and pray for Saul of Tarshish because he said, I've already dealt with him. I like it when God deals with people. I like it when he gets them back in line. And I want to tell you something that you can, um, you can always feel good about that when it's the other guy or the other gal. But remember it, it might wind up being you one of these times that God has to slap you da- back into line. And, uh, but the good thing is, is that at the bottom line, you know that God loves you. God loves us. And everything he does, he's doing for our benefit. He wants us to be saved. He's not willing that any should perish. He wants everybody to come to repentance. He wants everybody to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of all of their sins, carry away all their dirt. Isn't that wonderful? And that he will then fill them with the free gift of the Holy Ghost. And that's what happened to to, uh, this man known as Saul of Tarshish, who was doing such harmful things and hateful things. And, And many, I'm sure, that were of the church and of this way, they couldn't understand why Saul was acting like he was acting. But you see, Saul had his religion, and Saul thought his religion was right. And he didn't know the difference at that time between religion and salvation. And he, he only had uh, laws and ceremonial laws and, and uh, ordinances and things from the Old Testament that he was living under. He didn't know and realize that Jesus had come to do away with that. And, of course, those would be fighting words. What do you mean do away with the law? What do you mean abolish the law? What, what is that? Those are fighting words. I can't have anybody doing that. But Jesus came to fulfill the law, first and foremost. And everything that was in the Old Testament was there for a preview, a shadow and type, a uh, blueprint, if you like. And uh, it was all designed as a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And yet, this man believed in the coming of the Christ, but somehow or another he didn't believe at that time that Jesus was the Christ. And he hadn't got the revelation that the, the fishermen known as as uh, the Apostle Peter got when the Lord said, Whom do men say that I am? And there was so much division. Well, that's how it is today. Everybody thinks they're right. And you know what? I I know there's only one right, and that's God. And God has a church. He has a body of believers throughout the earth. He does. And, And God is in control of it, and God is in charge of it all. And our job is to line up with God's word or God's gospel, his good news. He's the author of it, and he is the finisher of it. And I, I just want to fall in love with him and the way he does things, whether I understand it or not. Sometimes I don't understand it, but I take comfort that his ways are above my ways, and his thoughts are not my thoughts. Thank God they're not. <laughs> I'm glad his ways are not my ways, and I'm glad his thoughts are not my thoughts, for I am far beneath him. He is high and lifted up. Amen and amen. This man Saul, for all the letters after his name, I remember one sister telling me that somebody on the job was giving her a hard time. What's new about that? And uh, said that um, she got she got in the, had to get the lady's attention one day, and she said, "You see all them things you got on the wall, all those diplomas and certificates." She said, "I got every one of them too." 
Well, that's how Saul was. Saul had all those certificates. He had all those letters after his name. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel, and uh, he had his uh, AA or AS or BS or BA. Uh, he had all of that and probably moved on to his, his uh, next level of his master's degree and maybe moved on to doctor, for all I know. But uh, all I'm telling you is that this man who felt like he knew so much and was so full of himself, when God slapped him in the line and put him on the ground, if you please. I remember my pastor telling me he was very young in the Lord and there were no church houses. There was cottage prayer meetings that you had to walk many miles to get to just to have a prayer meeting with somebody. And you walked on dirt roads and you walked through swampy water. And, uh, and he said that um, in the process of all of that, one day he, he decided that he was in the forest with a pea shooter, <laughs> and he just gave up. And uh, so the Lord said, okay. And so the Lord slapped him down, and uh, he got a fever. And he laid in the bed, sick and unto death and sweating and, you know, just miserable and sick. And, and uh, it came a day when the Lord spoke to him and said, you had enough? <laughs> he told me, he said, I believe I have. And the Lord said, I don't think so. So he let him stay in that bed a little bit longer until his hair fell out. Now, if you saw any pictures of my pastor, he had a healthy head of hair. He was, um, he was part English, and he was uh, parts of some other things, along with part Indian. And, uh, and he said the rest was just pure devil until the Lord relieved him of that devil. And uh, well, there he was laying there for well over a month. And uh, the Lord visited him and healed him completely, and, and he was ready to go back to work, shall we say. He was ready to get up and get with it for the Lord. And uh, the Lord took care of everything. Now, see, he, he told me one time, I was talking about, like Moses, you, uh, your eye wouldn't go dim and your natural force would not be abated. And he said, that's good if you can get it. <laughs> well, somehow he got all that hair back, and I hadn't gotten that yet. But I didn't lose mine, I don't think, through, through getting knocked down. But I am saying that God knows how to get a person's attention. And it's far better for you and I to come to a quick realization that we would be far better to throw up our hands, our heart with our hands. We would be far better to get on our knees, it was said tonight. We would be far better to, to give it up to the Lord. And didn't the Lord say in Isaiah 118, come now, let us reason together? It's so much better to be reasonable about this thing. So much better to be reasonable. You don't want to get stubborn. You don't want to get all fussing with God and arguing with God and argumentative. You don't want to do that. I'm telling you, because there's a great big hand like a broom that'll come right down out of heaven and slap you down like he did the man known as Saul of Tarsha. And Mr. got all the degrees, looked up blindly, groping, can't see. Because now his vision is gone, his natural vision. And that's a good thing when you lose sight of all of the things that you think are important. You know. And, uh, and he said, who art thou, Lord? Oh, wait a minute. I thought you had all the answers. You know, Didn't, weren't you smarting off at my preachers? Weren't you having a lot to say and even putting my saints in bad positions? And he, he said, I'm Jesus. And then. You know, this guy had a computer like mine, so he was very quick to say, uh-oh, you're the one I've been fighting. <laughs> you're, 
you're the one I've been messing with your people. And so the old Saul of Tarsha had heard the voice. Others didn't, but he heard the voice. You know, there's going to be a lot of people, family and friends and co-workers. They're not going to hear the voice that you hear. You hear me now, God's going to deal with your heart. And when he deals with your heart, everybody's not going to understand. There's going to be lots of people around with their platitudes. You know, oh, now, that's nice. Oh, yeah, okay, now, you just calm down now. You know, they just want to quiet you down. And uh, I told you about, uh, and I will tell you time and again, about the little boy that was sitting on the front. And uh, his church was having a big time, and he was up, and he was just happy and excited, and just a little old boy. And uh, they, everybody sat down, but he stayed up. He kept just jumping and happy and going after it. And, and uh, they told him to sit down, and, and he wasn't sitting down. And so finally they reached up on either side and pulled him down. And he crossed his arms and said, all right. He said, I may be sitting. He said, but my Holy Ghost is standing up. All right? So you remember, when people try to pull you down, when people try to shut you up, you just tell them, my Holy Ghost is standing up. I'm not letting down on my Holy Ghost. I love God. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to shout. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be excited in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to witness and tell people this gospel truth. Well, Saul got led. Somebody got him by the hand, and they led him to the place where Jesus told him, you're going to go. And that was the next question. What will you have? Now that I know who you are, we got that straight. I don't need to introduce myself. I know you know me. You know everybody and every everything about everybody. And he said, uh, what would you have me to do? I'm ready. Give me orders. And uh, the Lord said, well, said, you go, I'm on, I'm, you're going to be told what you must do. Let's get that straight. And he said, you're going to go to a, a matter of fact, you're going to go to the street called Straight. And you're going to go to a certain house in a certain city. And there it shall be told thee what thou must do. Okay, and so he did. They, he sought for some to take him by the hand and got him to where he needed to go. God's working on the other end of the line. That's another thing. You know, when, when you think that God's, you know, got something going on in your life, you better remember that God's going to be working on the other end of the line too. Okay, you, you, people just want to dream up all kinds of things on their own because they really have selfish motives. And you begin to realize that their heart is impure, for it is written, blessed are the pure in heart. The right motive, not an ulterior motive, not some fleshly thing floating around down there, you know. And, uh, but, but really there's a, a purity of motive there. And so as Saul was led uh, by the hand and taken to that particular place where God said he must go, and God's dealing with the preacher on the other end of the line. The preacher heads over there after a little debate with God about it. And, um, and when he got over there, he did what God said. God said, I got him ready. I got him praying. I, I got him on the front burner here. Let's go. What are you dragging around about? Come on. And, uh, he, and the problem is he just couldn't believe. It's just like when they were all in the, in the prayer meeting and they were all praying for God to get Peter out of jail. And there comes a knock at the door and a little old girl goes and answers the door. And, and there's standing Peter. She slammed the door in his face. Ran back inside and told everybody, Peter's at the door. And, and they didn't believe her. Now, that's a sad thing to be, have a bunch of people in a prayer meeting and the house is full of unbelief. If everything they're praying for, the answer's at the door, and they're not opening the door. And they're not believing the girl that did open the door. My goodness, isn't that amazing? So it's good to realize that there's a joy attached to your faith. Okay? 
The enemy would like for you to get all burdened down. And he would like for you to uh, feel the weights. And the Bible did say to lay aside every weight and the, and the sin that doth so easily surround us. But for you not to, for you to get rid of those things that are just weighting you down and, and dragging you down and uh, to realize that there is a joy that goes along with your faith. And for you to experience that effervescent joy, okay? And, and the writer here in verse 25, the Apostle Paul, this man who, when the preacher came and prayed for him, he said, why tarriest thou? He said, arise, calling on the name of the Lord. Be baptized and calling on the name of the Lord. And, uh, and receive thy sight while you're at it. That was kind of an afterthought, you know. wasn't the important thing. The important thing was to get baptized in Jesus' name and get rid of all your sins. You take care of the eyesight later. No big deal. It's okay if you go through life with your natural blindness and have your spiritual sight than have it the other way around to where you can, you got good eyesight. I told you they sent me for the, for the cheaters. I got my cheaters here. They sent me for my cheaters. And, uh, you know, all the time I came into church and I, I played some board games with kids and, and uh, they still, they, they cheat. They don't think it's cheating, you know. They don't think it's cheating. It's funny what they think. There's nothing wrong with some things, you know. They, they change all the rules to Uno. You know, you wouldn't recognize the rule. You might as well throw the rule book out. You know, they, they, ought, to, they ought to type up and print out their rule book and maybe send it into the manufacturers because, wow, I'm telling you what, they wouldn't recognize their own game after these kids got through with it. And I remember one time, I'll tell one on him, he's not here tonight, but uh, I w had Pastor Hopper when he was a young man. He was probably about 18 or 19. He was at our house, staying at our house, and we were playing uh, something like Uno. I can't remember which one of those games is, different names, and I can't remember them anymore. But we came, uh, something happened, and they kiddingly said something about cheating. I said, wait a minute. I said, I, I haven't cheated since I got the Holy Ghost, guys. About that time, Pastor Hopper turned red, and he leaned over a little bit and reached under his leg and pulled out two cards. Well, brother, nothing like a little bit of healthy conviction falling, you know, <laughs> to straighten you out. <laughs> well, well, old Saul, he, he got his sins taken away, and he got the baptism of the Holy Ghost to the point that he said, I spake in tongues more than y'all. He was a real southern at heart, wasn't he? And, man, he, was, he, he got going great guns, and he got to telling everybody, and they started saying the man that fought this, now he, now he preaches it. And what a great turnaround in his life, and how happy. How happy was that preacher when he went over to that house, albeit reluctantly, and how happy was he that he obeyed God and went over there and brought the gospel. And Saul became the Apostle Paul, and the Apostle Paul was the one that wrote about there is no other gospel. He was the one that God used to write probably over 50% of the New Testament and put it to pen. And gave to you and I the things that we read. And then as an apostle, he began to write messages to the different new churches and congregations, that is, that were established in new fields and new works. And telling them that there is no other gospel. 
There is no other gospel beyond repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name, and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. And when he got, he, they were saying here in Philippians, in this, in this new area, in this new city, with this new work, and Paul is thrown in jail, and, and they begin to recognize, all right, he's in jail, and that looks bad, but you know what? It's for the furtherance of the gospel. You can't do anything really against the truth, but for the truth. You're so much better to get on God's side. Who art thou, Lord? I'm Jesus. What do you have me to do? Woo, let's go for it. Let's get it going forward and further it, further it, further it. Amen. How nice it is. It's been said, uh, finding that silver lining in the cloud. How good it is to remember our lovely little candy stick, Romans 8 and 28, that we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God and who are the called according to his grace and purpose. How wonderful and beautiful it is to find that silver lining in the darkness of a cloud. And here's a man in prison, and he said, man, they're finding out, they're realizing that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather. It didn't set us back. It didn't tear us up. He said, rather, it was to the furtherance of the gospel. It just advanced us that much more. And you can say, well, I don't see this, and I don't see You don't see like God sees. You don't think like God thinks. You hear me? Your ways are not God's ways. Amen. Amen. What's to be said about a man that could write over 50% of the New Testament and spent <laughs> how much of his life in jail for the gospel? And that's what they begin to realize. They begin to realize that he's in that jail cell because he stands for Jesus, because he stands for the truth. Not generic Jesus, not take as your personal or accept as your personal Savior, not handshake Jesus, you know, not sign this card Jesus, not that general religious junk not those things that aren't even in the Bible. No. He's, he's, he's got the real thing. He's of this way. And, and he's in jail for it. And, and they thought to shut him up. They thought to shut him down. And all it did was cause it to advance. All it did was cause it to go that much further forward. And everybody said hallelujah. And so he said here in verse 25 now, he said, and having this confidence, to draw confidence from your, your life in God, your, your walk with God, your prayers, your worship, and your Bible study, that, and your witnessing, that you're, you're, you're drawing a confidence, okay? He said, I know, oh, don't you like that word? I know that there's not a doubt in those terms. I know. There's no doubt there. I know. I know. I am thoroughly persuaded, and I am convinced that this is right, and I'm not turning from it any which way. All some people are doing is wasting time. And life is passing them by. And children are getting older and more sot in their ways, as the old country boy said. It means they're just getting set up in concrete until you get to a point where you can't do anything. You're not going to be able to make a dent. But you know what? God can. And here's a guy that's, that's having people kill people for believing this truth. Stand by and here, let me hold your coat while you wind up your best fastball and throw a rock at this guy's head. And uh, 
compelled people to blaspheme. Oh, yeah, to deny. And this man said, now, he said, I'm set forth as a pattern, as an example. He said, I'm the chiefest of sinners, and look what God did with me. Look how he turned me around. Everybody can become that kind of person because you know what kind of life you live. And you know how mean, rotten, low-down, nasty, and sorry that you were. Or maybe still are. But all you need is a good dose of the Holy Ghost. You just need God's salvation. You just need God's truth. That's what you need. You need to get a clear vision of it. Amen. You need to get a willing heart and a willing attitude. You need to, you need to get reasonable before the throne of God. And you need, in, in getting this and growing in this and becoming a part of what God is doing, you will grow in a confidence to where you know, he said, in whom I believe. You know. You don't have a shred of doubt about this. He's a dissolver of doubts. That's what he is. He's uh, like water and Alka-Seltzer, right? Just dissolves it real good. And having this confidence, I know that I shall, I like these two words, abide and continue. I'm not going nowhere. And I'm not going backwards. I'm going to continue. I'm going forward here. And he said, with you all, I'm going to stay with the church for your furtherance and joy of faith. You know, there's just a tremendous amount of joy built around living for God. And, and some people, you know, they, they got such a long face, if they tripped in that canal, they'd dry the whole thing up. Right now, I kind of wish that would happen. Dry the canal up, I mean. Lower, lower the volume there. A driving force, an incentive, a stimulus. You've heard that word a lot. An encouragement resulting in increased activity, a furtherance, an impetus. We, we, we feel that. We feel that that we're just being driven to go forward, to go to take this into a furtherance. I want, it, I want it rather to go more forward, not ever considering anything going backwards, not at all, but rather that it would advance. It would advance. And that's how we want to look at this, as no matter what they threw at the Apostle Paul, he, in all of his uh, jail time, and he used it wisely, he, he wrote and he kept putting out and, and producing what we have today as the Word of God. And, and yet, he said here, for your furtherance and joy of faith. He thought of how there was a tremendous joy connected with your set of beliefs. What we believe in gives us great joy. When nobody is, is feeling bad about how we dress or how we act or where we don't go. Uh, we're not feeling sad about that, so don't, don't try to feel sad for us, you know. I just feel so bad for y'all. Y'all don't do drugs. I feel so bad for y'all because y'all don't have AIDS. You know, I feel so bad for y'all. You know, because you don't have any of these bad things happening in your life. It's just so sad. <laughs> I think not. I think not. What a joy of faith. What a what a what a, a set of beliefs. It is one Lord, one faith. We have the one faith that Jesus gave, and He gave it for everybody. He died to give it to everybody. And he's trying to tell you, I want you to experience the joy of that faith, a rejoicing built around that faith, that you've got something that's right, and it's from God, and you believe it. How happy you can remain standing. How happy, how happy 
or the animals, even the skunks. And he was always spraying when he should have been praying. But how happy was everybody on that ark that they believed God? I believe Noah, the preacher of righteousness. They weren't fussing with the preacher. They weren't trying to hide everything from the preacher. You know? And, and they, you know, you know that Noah couldn't find the, the elephant, right? And she had red sneakers on. He couldn't find her. That's because she was hiding in the cherry tree. That's as funny as that's going to get. But he, he, uh, he finally got the elephants on the, on the ark, and everybody was on the ark, and he got his family on the ark, and uh, he couldn't get anybody else to go. I'm sure he preached till his throat was raw, and, uh, but they would not believe him. They would not believe him. They would not come up that gangplank, come through that one door, get that one name, and be in that one church, body of believers, that ark. That was going up. That was going up. They were too steeped in unbelief. They were too given to all of the excessiveness of things that they were doing. And they just kept on and kept on and kept on. And they ignored and they ignored and they ignored. And they turned a deaf ear and they went in their different ways. But you know what? I promise you, after that first big glop of bop of rain hit, that they were saying, oh, my God, I'm on this ark. Man, am I happy to be on this ark. And then, you know, the old, uh, the old um, bull of the woods elephant, well, he had indigestion. And it got a little, got a little stinky on the ark. But the rain was falling really hard then. And then the rhinoceros, you know, and different ones were just trumpeting. Even the spiders were barking. You ever heard of a barking spider? Oh, yeah. We had a preacher come through here, and every time he <clears throat> had a flatulence problem, he'd just say it was a barking spider. Oh, my, is right. Yeah, Lord. So, you know, I'm just saying to you, there were those rough times on the ark, you know. You had all them animals. And uh, they didn't. They they were having. To, Noah was taking care of getting them all fed and kept his family busy feeding all them animals. And it got it got after a while. It got pretty smelly on that ark, and things had to be cleaned up, and things had to be taken care of. And, and the rain was falling so hard, and now the fountains of the deep are broken up. And suddenly, I saw a little girl, a little Chinese girl, and she was she was about yay high, and, and she was had quite an imagination going while she was eating her hamburger with one hand, and she made a, a paper a rocket ship out of her out of a piece of paper, and she suddenly decided to have a countdown. And so she's going, 10, 9, 8, 7. She'd look around, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And she, boom, she threw it. It went, and hit her brother right across the table. And she goes, oh, what a good landing. <laughs> so, so I'm telling you, boy, it was something. When that ark took off, friend, that big old thing got enough ballast under it and it lifted up off of the earth, and it began to go higher and higher. And then, my God, let me tell you, there were people that were standing on their tiptoes on the highest point that they could get to, and they were very much wanting to believe then. They were very much convinced then. But you know what? 
There's a time when it's just too late, folks. And so while we've got this opportunity, while the window is still open, you can not only get the faith, but you can get the joy of the faith. Why am I glad I got in the church? Oh, my God, I believe in God. Oh, I'm so glad to have the Holy Ghost. So glad that all my sins are washed away and I've been forgiven and I'm free. I'm literally set at liberty. No more guilty thoughts. Amen. Come on. Let's lift our hearts with our hands. Let's worship Him. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah! 